Acts chapter 28, verse 1. Uh, Luke is writing and he says, now when they had escaped, they escaped from the shipwreck. Uh, Paul's on his way to Rome. The, the ship uh, encounters a ferocious storm to the point where they throw all the cargo overboard. But unfortunately, the ship just could not survive the storm. And uh, it ran aground and they all jumped overboard, swam uh, to a little island and uh, we read here in, in 28, verse 1, Now, when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. The natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome, because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened upon his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius. How would you like to be called Publius? <laughs> Who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. I've heard that passage preached out of I don't know how many times in the 36 years that I've been in ministry now. And it always, the focus of the passage is always that that's what Paul did, that's what we should do. But I'm not so convinced that that's how we should be reading that passage. I think we've got to be people who are led by the Spirit of God. And I think we do what he tells us to do when he tells us to do it. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 25, Paul says, I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Just take note of that. Paul had a need. And Epaphroditus was a fellow minister, a brother in Christ that ministered to Paul's need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick almost to death. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow Upon sorrow. I, I don't know how Epaphroditus recovered from his sickness. I don't know whether Paul laid hands on him and raised him up. We're not told that. But he was clearly sick for a long period of time and was sick to the point where he almost died. But God had mercy on him. So perhaps he just, through the natural course of his inbuilt bodily mechanisms and his immune system, we don't know. But God had mercy and raised him up. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 23, 
Paul says to Timothy, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Some translations say frequent ailments. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 19, greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of one Cyphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. God does not explain anywhere in Scripture why Paul could so miraculously heal the unchurched people he encountered on the island of Malta, but did not give Paul the power or perhaps the go-ahead to heal Epaphroditus, Timothy, or Trophimus. We know that Timothy was a man of faith. We know that clearly from Paul's letter to him or his second letter to him in chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says, I called to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, Timothy, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is also in you. Therefore, I remind you, because of that faith, that strong faith that was so evident in your grandmother and in your mother, that same faith, utilize that faith, Timothy, and stir up within yourself the gift of God which has been placed within you to bring blessing to those around you. Stir up the gift of God that was placed in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But for some reason, for some reason, and we are not told the reason, for some reason, Timothy was not healed from his stomach issues or from whatever his frequent infirmities or ailments were. I emphasize this morning, like I did last week, I absolutely believe in divine healing. I am a Pentecostal through and through. It's all I have ever known. I got saved in the Pentecostal church. I have witnessed um, God move in people's lives. I have seen, you know, some of the greatest miracles of people's lives changed and transformed by coming to Christ, by experiencing the indwelling power and enablement of the Holy Spirit. I've seen drug addicts set free. I've seen alcoholics set free. I've seen people who have been bound up in their mind, in their emotions, in their soul. I've seen them transformed, uh, admittedly, through a journey of sanctification and growth and, and connectedness with God. And, and, and I, I've seen one major miracle, a physical miracle, which I talked about last week, so I'm not going to go back into that this morning. But I, I believe in divine healing. But I've been around long enough to know that not everybody gets healed. And I'm not convinced that it's due to a lack of faith. I'm not convinced that it's due to some hidden sin in their life. It might be. But I'm not convinced that that is always the case. I believe that God heals. I will pray for the sick to be healed. I will stand on the word of God. I will trust that God still heals today, just as he did when Jesus walked the earth. I believe he does, but I don't believe that God puts sickness or disease or disability on somebody to teach them a lesson. I don't believe that either. To me though, there is enough evidence in Scripture to tell me that God will sometimes use sickness 
God will sometimes use other kinds of infirmity to bring about a much higher purpose. Indeed, we should pray for the sick, and I believe we should pray with expectation. We should pray with all the faith we can muster. We should stand on the word of God and believe that God can heal and still heals today. But ultimately, I believe healing is a gift of the Spirit that is often according to a far higher purpose than we, like Job, who did not have sin in his life, who did not have some lack of faith in his life because Job, I believe, exists in the Bible to pull back the curtain of understanding for us so that when we are inflicted, and it was a physical sickness that Job had, he was inflicted with boils in the end and he sat in a pit of misery. But we have a glimpse behind the scene that there is a much higher purpose. I talked last Sunday about Paul's thorn in the flesh. If, if we think we know what that was, we're theologically arrogant. We don't know what it was. We're not shown what it was. But we have a, a glimpse here behind the scenes that, that Job... You know, Paul's thorn in the flesh, he says, was a messenger of Satan. And I've heard some people say, well, therefore, it wasn't a sickness. It was a demonic oppression. No, the sickness that Job had was brought by Satan himself. So you can't say a, a messenger of Satan is not a sickness. You can't say it's not an eye problem. You can't, we don't know. The truth is we don't know. But my point today is that when we pray for the sick and they're not healed... I think to point a finger and say it's because of sin in your life or it's because you lack faith. Because if you've got faith, you'll say to this mountain, be removed and it will be cast into the sea. I think we bombard people's hearts and emotions with so much guilt and condemnation that I do not believe is biblical. Stay with me. I know I'm controversial and I, I want to emphasize again, I believe in divine healing. If you're sick, I'll pray for you. And I'll stand and trust that God will heal. But if he doesn't, we have to, like Job, who's been given to us as an example, pull back the curtain a little bit and ask God to reveal to us, is there a higher purpose behind this? If there's sin in your life, confess it. And if you're healed, as soon as you confess it, then that was probably the blockage. But if you confess it and you deal with it, you're still not healed and you, you muster the, all the faith you can and you get all the people around you with faith and you're still not healed. I think, oh, I say this with all humility. I think the Pentecostal church has been like the emperor with the new clothes. I'm healed. I'm not sick. I'm healed. I'm not sick. Meanwhile, we're just oozing sickness. We look silly. If healing is not coming, I, I believe we need to ask God to reveal potentially a higher plan or a, or a greater purpose that he may be accomplishing through our pain. I went through Bible college, 1983, 84, and 85. And I was in Bible college with a man by the name of Phil Camden. Now, some of you sitting here know who Phil Camden is. He was a great man, great preacher. Ended up as an associate pastor with a great, well-known preacher and pastor in New Zealand and came to Newcastle uh, some years back now and took over what was Newcastle City Church and it became Church 180. It's now Hillsong, Newcastle. Some years back, he was diagnosed with motor neurone disease. And 
he had prayer. He had people surround him. He had people stand with him. He had people pray for him. He had people agree with him. People believe with him. But now, years later, he is wheelchair bound. However, he's lived way beyond what the doctor said would be his life expectancy from diagnosis. And you cannot deny the fact that that man right now has had inroads of influence into the unchurched motor neurone disease community, not only in Newcastle and the Hunter, but across the nation of Australia. And he is having an impact for Jesus. As people say, Phil, how do you stay so positive when you're so messed up, you're so crippled, you're so bound? Phil, how do you stay so encouraged? How do you stay the course? He says, it's because Jesus is sustaining me. Jesus is strengthening me. Well, why doesn't he heal you? I don't know why he's not healed. All I know is there is a greater purpose. And we don't always know what the greater purpose is. But he's a living, I believe, a living demonstration of, of how our personal faith in God can sustain us through anything. Should we continue to pray for his healing? Absolutely. But should we sit around and spend all of our time theologically trying to debate why he didn't get healed, why he's not yet healed? Or do we just trust God in the process and keep following after Jesus with all of our heart and serving kingdom purpose? Problems arise. Problems really arise when we become so emotionally invested in a belief or a doctrine that we cannot or will not accept what is often plainly stated in Scripture. When we impose our ideology on Scripture, rather than drawing our understanding from Scripture, it becomes very, very hard to break down or get past strongly embedded, preconceived ideas and beliefs. We we all struggle to overcome this. All of us do. But maturity in our faith will see us willing. It's 25 past nine. We haven't even started church yet. (laughs) Who didn't change the clock this morning? I'm looking up to see how much time I've got. I've got one hour and 35 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Maturity in our faith will see us willing to search the scriptures to see if what we are being taught is true or to see if what we believe is true. I was having a conversation with someone this week and they said to me that they'd been listening to someone else teach out of the word of God and they made some statement and my ears pricked up when they said it. But they said, you know, sermons are not meant to be agreed with. You know, if, if you, every time I preach something that you believe, or if I preach something that you are strongly attached to, or you are emotionally sunk into, and, and you kind of, I believe that, and I'm not moving off that belief, and I affirm that belief, you come up and tell me what a great message I preached, you've missed the point. Or if I say something that's controversial, that challenges that pet doctrine, or that, that belief, or that theology that you've held on to so strongly, if I say something that challenges it and you come up and disagree with me, you still miss the point. Sermons are not meant to be agreed with or disagreed with. They're meant to be wrestled with. They're meant to be wrestled with. If, if, 
if our if our doctrines or our hearts become offended because of something that has been challenged in our belief and we dig in with offense rather than open-mindedly say, I could be wrong here. I might need to look at something else. But if we become offended because our theology has been challenged and we refuse to consider it or look at it, we're nothing, no different to a cult. Is that okay to say that? Don't go out of here every Sunday and just swallow what I say because I'm, you know, I'm as human as the next man. Search the scriptures for yourself. Find for yourself. Discover for yourself. Well, Pastor Marty said this, so it must be right. No. What, what does the word say? Dig deeper into it. Sermons are meant to be wrestled with. The, the danger of putting God into a doctrinal box is that we have to explain away scriptures that don't fit in that box. Because of strongly embedded pet doctrines, people can be very, very distracted from the truth. And instead of seeking the purpose of God in our journey, we can actually find ourselves seeking our own will, seeking what we want. Paul struggled with this. Three times he begged God to take away whatever that thorn was. Three times he said, I, I begged God, I entreated God. God, take this away from me. I, I can't bear it any longer. You know, I, I, I don't know. Some people say it was persecution. I'm not convinced it was persecution because Jesus said, you will suffer much persecution. Paul knew that that was a part of the package of following Jesus. But three times he begged God to take it away. But God's answer was, no, I want you to live with this one. He said, I want you to learn that my grace in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your discomfort, in the middle of your struggle, I want you to learn and dig deeper into a whole new level of enabling power that will enable you to keep going, much like I believe Phil Camden is still going, still positive, still loving Jesus, still declaring God is good, then why are you sick? Maybe it's so that he can be a trophy of God's power to enable us to be stepping above the storms stepping above the challenges, staying with a smile on our face, even when the devil's roaring down our throat. Three times he begged God to take away his thorn in the flesh. But God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul then goes on and declares in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, Therefore, because I accept that answer from God, most gladly I will boast in my, what, infirmities? I will boast in my infirmities. The Greek word there for infirmities is asthenia. And it means feebleness of either mind or body, malady, frailty, disease, infirmity, sickness and weakness. Paul is boasting in sickness. He's boasting in weakness. All I'm trying to say here, folks, is, is I think if we are sick, to just believe I will get healed, I will be restored. And, and if we're not restored, 
then there's a problem, there's a blockage, and we can, we can so derail the ultimate purpose that God has for us by becoming so entrenched in this. I, I will be healed. I will. You, you know, it's the, it's the, the great confession that the Catholic priest dies and goes to hell. A Baptist minister dies and goes to hell, and a Pentecostal pastor dies and goes to hell, and they're all talking in hell, and the Catholic priest says, I don't get this. I was celibate my whole life. Surely I've earned my place in heaven. And the Baptist minister said, this messes with my theology. He said, I, I, I trusted that I was saved and now here I am in hell. But the Pentecostal said, well, by faith, I'm not here. <laughs> and I, I think Pentecostals have fallen into that, you know, blab it and grab it, name it and claim it. And I don't believe it's biblical. Oh, I hope this is okay. I... It's rattling my cage. But I think we've done so much damage to people's souls by bringing condemnation upon them. If you are sick, keep looking to Jesus to heal you. But don't let your mind focus there. Let your mind focus on, God, what are you calling me to do now? Where are you calling me to go now? If I seek first the kingdom of heaven, all these things will be added to me. I'm going to seek first. And if my healing doesn't come till the other side of eternity, it's still going to come. Therefore, he says, I take a pleasure and boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs. He takes pleasure in needs. Hang on a minute. My Bible says my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Paul says he takes pleasure in needs. He takes pleasure in persecution, in distress. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Hang on, how can you take pleasure in infirmities? By his stripes, we are healed. You see, this is the problem with having God in a box. You've got to explain away scriptures like this that don't fit in that box. I think we've got to be people that are open-hearted and we say, God, I know you can heal. I know you do heal. You still, you have the power to heal. Paul healed them on the Isle of Malta, but he couldn't heal Timothy. He couldn't heal Epaphroditus. He couldn't heal Trophimus. I, I don't understand that, but I do understand this. There's always a greater purpose because I've read the book of Job. And when we pull back the curtain, there's something happening. God often allows things to take place that mess with our theology. You're very quiet in here. Is this okay, Margo? Am I smiling enough? A little more? Margo said, you make me nervous when you're doing this. She said, just smile, just smile. <laughs> Never smile at a crocodile, hey? <laughs> just... My God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Oh, I'm just going to claim it. My God will supply all. I'm needy. God will supply my need. A week goes by. God hasn't, God still hasn't supplied. No, he, he will. I'm just going to say, well, brother, God hasn't supplied me. No, hang in there. Name it. Claim it. You hang in there. He will supply that need. God, you'll supply my need. You'll supply my need. You'll supply. A month later, you're still in need. You know, what, what is it? I think God's trying to teach us something far greater than just, just making us comfortable and just making us whole and just making us healthy so that we can just enjoy life. I, I think God. God wants to use us for far greater things than we've ever imagined. We got a message last night. A very, very close friend of ours, her granddaughter, was hit by a car and uh, was being flown uh, to a hospital uh, from, from a long, long way away. 
and, and the word we got was they're not expected to make it. I, I, I know Christians that have lost loved ones in similar circumstances, but yet they're still in love with Jesus. Rather than getting bitter, saying, God, why didn't you stop that? God, why didn't you prevent that? God, why didn't you intervene? God, why didn't you do that? And then we become twisted. Whereas I think the, the broken world around us want to see an example of what it is to face the challenges of life. To, to what's, How does the words of that song go? I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. You're going to hear my praises roar. Regardless of what is on me, what is happening to me, I am going to trust Jesus. If he heals me, great. If he doesn't, if I die, it's to gain. If I live, it's for your good. Whatever happens to me, I will live for the glory of Jesus. Is that a lack of faith? No, I don't believe it is. I don't believe it is. But he gloried, he, he, he boasted, he took pleasure in his need when God said he'd supply all of his need. But he said in Philippians chapter 4, Paul, the same man, said, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. This is the same man who said, my God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. The same man is now saying, I've learned how to suffer need. That doesn't fit in our box of healing doesn't fit in our box of the abundance and the provision of the faithfulness of God. These pet doctrines can be dangerous. We've got to understand a theology of suffering. He then goes on and says those famous words that we all quote when we're, we're pushing the lawnmower and we're just running out of energy. Oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We take that way out of context. I'm suffering but I'll get through this because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm in pain, but I can get through this because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus, would you touch me and would you heal me? But in the meantime, the pain's still there, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm grieving. I don't, I don't know why that happened. I don't know why that came into my family. I don't know why that impacted us so much. I'm, I'm in pain. I'm lonely. I'm crying on the inside, but I can get through this because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think that brings more glory to God yeah sadly the teachings and the beliefs of some cause people to reject that kind of thinking though instead of walking by faith we start demanding our own will Instead of walking by faith, we start demanding our own will. Unless God gives us the miracle that we demand, we can become paralyzed in our walk. Bitter, twisted, condemned. And if God doesn't give us the answer we want, our life can very quickly spiral into one of confusion, disillusionment and frustration. People can be hurt greatly by the false teaching that God will always heal every malady. That's a very unpentecostal statement, I know. But I'm facing reality. I believe he heals. I do. But you know, people can be so hurt. It's a belief 
that can cause a massive amount of guilt and disillusionment for the afflicted in those times when God, for whatever reason, does not heal. The implication, as I said earlier, sometimes it's, it's even just blurted out with downright ungodly insensitivity is that the suffering Christian just doesn't quite believe enough or there's some sort of sin hidden in their life. Christians have been destroyed in their faith over that erroneous teaching. Let me say this to you. Expect the miraculous, but don't forget that the miraculous might just be his strength in your weakness. Don't shortchange yourself by demanding the strength of the physical when we're called to walk in the power of his spirit. Do you want me to say that again? I wrote that one down. Expect the miraculous, but don't forget that the miraculous might be God's strength in your weakness. Don't shortchange yourself by demanding the strength of the physical when God is calling you into the power of his spirit. If healing is not coming, seek God all the more for what higher purpose he may be accomplishing. Keep believing for the healing. Keep trusting for the healing. But seek God for whatever higher purpose he may want to accomplish through us. I'm going to close with this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Watch this. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We have the Holy Spirit. And having the Holy Spirit, we have the mind of God. When we're struggling with blockages, when we've got mountains that just won't move, when we have storms that just won't abate, when we have questions that are just not being answered, draw close to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, you are the Spirit of God. You know the mind of God. Paul closed that passage by saying we have the mind of Christ. I don't understand why I'm not healed. I don't understand why I'm not set free of this thing. I don't, Lord, if there is a sin, show me. If that's the blockage, show me and I'll deal with it. Or, or if, if I lack faith, Lord, help me to increase my faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I'll spend more time in the word. I'll meditate on the word. Faith will definitely increase. But if the healing is not coming, Holy Spirit, you've got the mind of God. Reveal to me the mind of God for my situation, my life right now. Show me what it is you want from me. I, I, I think that's what Phil Camden's done. The influence that man is having with the unchurched world, how to overcome in the midst of adversity. I don't believe, and I say this again, I don't believe God put sickness on people. He didn't make Job sick. The devil did that, but he allowed the devil to do that. There's always a bigger picture. Will we keep praying for the sick after communion? Absolutely. James said, anyone among you is sick, Call for the elders of the church. They'll anoint them with oil. The prayer of faith will raise up the one who is sick. Does that really mean will raise up the one who is sick? It appears to. But that doesn't fit in 
my box of now saying God doesn't always heal every sickness. So I can't be so dogmatic about what I'm preaching here this morning either, if you know what I mean. I'm searching the scriptures. I'm trying to understand what is happening in the Pentecostal church. Why are we not seeing healings? I, I, I just think there's a far bigger picture out there than any of us have ever imagined. And if I face a dilemma, a loss, a tragedy, I hope and pray that my perspective will be, Jesus, I'm just going to keep seeking you first in your kingdom. And I'll just trust that everything I do need will be added to me in the time that I need it, when I need it, as I need it, what I need.